Welcome to the Invisible India podcast. I'm Jessica Kumar. In 2006, I first came to India for work and basically never looked back. My journey took me through learning Hindi, living in multiple parts of India, The Invisible India podcast isn't just a place where I share about being married to an Indian, being a foreigner in India, the language learning process, and cross-cultural parenting. But it is a platform to highlight the lesser-known aspects of Indian culture by featuring stereotype-breaking Indians making waves in society. So chaliye, headphone lagake suniye hamare saath. Sabko namaste, Jessica here, back after a long time for episode 85, Top 10 Pro Tips of How to Travel in India. The visual version of this is up on YouTube. You can check my YouTube channel, India with Jessica. But here we go for the long version, the audio version, which has a lot more detail. If you want the full detail, you can get my full download with all the tips, 30 plus pages of rich information of not just the basic stuff that you hear about on forums and random places um, online. This is 30 plus pages of updated information, not just from my personal experiences, but from bringing hundreds of different guests coming to India on my watch and people who I've observed in coming to India the first time and even moving to India. So episode 85 is all about helping people who are coming to India to adjust, whether it's your first time or whether it's multiple times that you've been here, this guide is meant to save you money, save you headaches, and just make the whole experience a lot more enjoyable and smooth for you and anyone who's traveling with you. I ended up taking uh, unintentionally three months off this summer. Um, I, Many of you know I had a scooter accident in March, and I somehow managed to get a couple of episodes out then, but Man, this just took me out physically, mentally. It just, whoo, yeah, it was just a very, it was really rough on me. Um, and then just this summer, I think some of you also saw my updates um, that I went to Vietnam and Singapore uh, <laughs> and my phone got stolen in Vietnam. It's just crazy. I mean, with the amount of international travel that anyone does, the risk goes up of losing things, having things stolen. And so I guess it was just my turn to have have my things stolen, especially when you have small kids with you and you're trying to manage 50,000 different things and trying to have a very intense schedule. I guess it was bound to happen. So it was unfortunate, but and it really set me back quite a ways. But I'm finally getting back mentally, emotionally, physically, <laughs> feeling a lot better after the accident and all this stuff. So I'm back and also exciting news I'm working on Hindi Hacks follow-up course. So if you've taken the Hindi Hacks course, there's going to be a second one coming. And if you haven't taken the Hindi Hacks course because you thought it was too easy, this is the next level up from that. So this is going to be uh, a little bit more of an intermediate course for people who are really wanting to get a little more into the grammar, a little more into the technical way of constructing sentences and whatnot. So this is going to be for you if that's you. Really excited I'm um, working with amazing partners on this one, and I cannot wait to share with you what we're working on. So keep an eye out for that course coming sometime this fall. As you guys know, all my courses can be found on learnhindianywhere.com. 
I have a beginner's course, Hindi Hacks. I have a beginner slash intermediate course for pronunciation, which all of you know, this is my big thing, which I always hammer on is you cannot speak fluent Hindi without having very, very good pronunciation. It's absolutely crucial. So this is the thing I really encourage people to focus on is the pronunciation. And then I also have a kid's course, which is for ages four to 10. That is the called the Hindi, that is called the Kids Hindi Kickstarter course. And you can find that same place, learnhindianywhere.com. If you haven't already signed up for my newsletter, please do that. That's where I send out discounts, special announcements, uh, special things that are going on and ways you can take advantage of new resources coming out. All right, so enough about that. Let's get into the top 10 pro tips of traveling in India. Go download the full PDF on my site, learnhindanywhere.com. It is uh, $14.99 US dollars, and it is, it's going to save you like hundreds of dollars if you if you actually do the things which I advise you to do, maybe even thousands of dollars. So please go ahead and download it. It's going to save you so much time, energy, and effort and make your trip or your move so much more pleasant. So download the thing. Let's get into the episode, which highlights a couple of the things which are mentioned in that guide. Let's go. So those of you who have known me for more than five minutes will know my number one tip is learn the language basics of whatever locality you are going to be in. North India, South India, Northeast India, there are uh, many, many different languages in India. And if you're going to be there for any longer than one month, I highly suggest that you learn some of the local language. Even just knowing directions, ways to get around uh, local areas, um, names and places of things. This is all common sense. Number one is basically the most common sense thing ever. Can you get around with English in India? Absolutely. However, uh, it might be tricky in certain places if you're going a little off the beaten path where there might not be as many touristy guidelines in place for tourists. No, knowing the numbers and basic currency amounts will really help you. So the basic denominations of uh, coins are one rupee, two rupee. You have a five rupee coin, a 10 rupee coin. You also have uh, a 10 rupee note. Five rupee notes are still some in circulation, but not hardly any. Um, 20 rupee note, 50 rupee note, 100 rupee note, 200 rupee note, and a 500 rupee note. And we've recently demonetized in the last several years, so a thousand and the two thousand. So do not, if someone tries to give you one of those, do not accept it. So all that is just good to know, like the numbers and the, the names of things, uh, the names, you know, of, of the currency is the rupee and all that. That's just basic knowledge anywhere you go and need to know that. Number two, knowing how to get around. Nowadays, this is so much easier in India. We have Ola, we have Uber. Uh, back in the day, you used to have to negotiate with the taxi wala or the auto wala, like, oh, you know, meter se chalao bhaiya, and all this and that. And you used to have to flag people down. And now it's so easy. You just get it on your app and do that. But they're going to ask you for what's called an OTP. It's really important that you have a working phone and data in the country because everything is done by phone. Like you need to pay for something. If you want to um, get a taxi, you really need to have data on your phone and the plans can be purchased very cheaply in country. So autos and cycle rickshaws are fun, uh, but if you're going more than like, you know, half a kilometer, I wouldn't recommend going 
really far in a cycle rickshaw. Autos can be fine, but it just, there's so much pollution, can be a little difficult. Walking, I actually don't recommend in large metros because there's so much pollution, there's not sidewalks, and, and actually you can get hit by a car. So I know it sounds counterintuitive, but actually I wouldn't recommend just walking around in India. Trains are a great way to go between places. If you're gonna need to drive more than like five hours by car, I would suggest taking a train if possible. And interstate, it's really fantastic. Flights are also very cheap um, in India, and so I highly recommend taking a flight if you're going more than, you know, if it's more than like a six hour drive, uh, train or flight are both really good options. Cars, motorcycles, or scooters. If you're gonna be here more than uh, one year, I would suggest getting your own vehicle, but learning the rules of the road, the flow of the road is really tricky. And I actually don't recommend that you jump right into that right away. It's good to learn the flow, kind of learning left, right, the, the signals of people. There people say there are no rules in Indian traffic. I actually disagree. There are a lot of unspoken rules. So you have to learn what those are and kind of learn how to go with the flow. Number three, what to wear. This is a tricky one because it's highly dependent on where you are regionally. Um, you cannot go wrong with cotton, loose-fitting clothing for men, for women, for everyone. You really cannot go wrong with that. Now, if you're expected to attend some kind of a ceremony, I would ask the people that you're going to be attending with, what are you wearing, and make sure that you're wearing the same level. Uh, it is very easy to underdress. Um, if you're American or Canadian, we're like the most casual people ever, and you actually have to learn like how to dress up. If you're going to someone's house, you need to kind of dress a little nicer, good material, not cheap material. This took me a long time to figure out. And so ask your host um, what would be appropriate to wear if you're going to some kind of a function. Otherwise, having good quality material if for men, having like a little collar or something or having like a good quality shirt with long pants. Um, a lot of places men don't wear shorts. Talk. We can talk a little bit about modesty. This is a tricky one to talk about because in the West, we're kind of like, wear whatever you want, like free expression. That's great. However, here there are also ways to just draw unnecessary attention to yourself and you don't necessarily want to do that as a foreigner, as someone from outside who's just visiting. So. Um, there are ways to kind of make yourself less of a spectacle. And some of that would be, especially if you're in North India or in South India, um, wearing, uh, not wearing like super cut sleeves, men and women, wearing longer pants. And uh, for women, a lot of times, it, it depends where you are, but having your bum covered with like a longer shirt or a loose fitting t-shirt, or you can also go local and wear like a kurta pajama or salwar kameez. Uh, those are all very appropriate attire. If you're in a larger metro, a lot of women wear like Western clothes. It's no big deal. You can go around with jeans and a t-shirt or a cute top or something. However, it's just hot to wear uh, jeans a lot of the time. So wearing something more loose fitting uh, might be appropriate. A lot of guys have asked like, can I wear shorts in India? And it really depends. In the large metros, yeah. If you're going to a more conservative area like if you're visiting a mosque or something along that line, you really should have long pants on, even if even if you are a man. Um, so I think there are different, you, you really can't go wrong with like loose, long, cotton, 
flowing clothing. You really, I can't think of it any circumstance where that would be a bad idea. Let's talk about ethnic wear. If you're going to India and you're wearing Indian clothes, are you culturally appropriating? It's a fine line. If you get invited to an Indian wedding and everyone's like, oh, please, you know, wear, wear a sari or wear this or wear that, and they're gonna take you shopping, and they're also wearing the same thing, then you should totally wear it. Um, it makes sense, you're being invited into that. Indians are so invitational. People want others to experience their culture and enjoy their culture. Um, but if you're just gonna wear a sari like roaming around and touring the market just because you think it looks good, that might be a little bit weird. Sari is, um, a lot of ethnic wear is, a lot of fancier ethnic wear is for like a specific celebration or purpose. So knowing when to wear that um, would be good to ask your local host because clothing is highly situational. It really depends on who you're with, what's your purpose of going there, and how, um, what's even your age, your status, uh, your professional, kind of the reason you're going. Like I would go, touring around in something casual, but if I'm going to a business meeting, I'm gonna be wearing like either a nice salabat kameez with like decent embroidery or like a nice modest Western outfit that makes, that's more professional. If you wanna really get all the information, just, just download the ultimate travel guide on my website, learnhindianywhere.com. Number four, guide to food hygiene. We've heard of Delhi Belly. It's not a myth, it's very common. Uh, food hygiene is very important. I don't know anyone who's come to India and not gotten sick. Anyone that's come for more than uh, a month, and most people even after a week, you get sick. So the, the three things you need to think about, is my food hot and fresh? Has it been prepared just right in front of me? Number two, is my food peeled? Like if you're having something that can't be hot, like a cucumber, uh, it needs to be peeled. And number three, has it been washed thoroughly? And a lot of times has it been washed with filtered water? That is an important one. Uh, now there's a prevalence of what's called RO water or reverse osmosis water in India. And you can pretty much um, find this in most people's homes. So, and uh, restaurants, or you can also get bottled water. The tap water is not drinkable in India. I do not recommend drinking it unless you're gonna be living here for like, again, a year or more, um, then you can get used to it. But otherwise I would not recommend drinking the tap water, bottled or reverse osmosis. Number five, people ask a lot about mosquito protections. Let me give you my two cents on this or my two rupees on this. I would not recommend taking the anti-malarial drugs that you can get prescribed in the US. First of all, malaria is not that prevalent in every state in India. Um, where I lived in Bihar, it is very prevalent. However, we still don't take the anti-malarials. They're very hard on your body and they, I had hallucinations from them. So I don't find them to be worthwhile. No locals take them. But how do you survive mosquitoes then? Um, there's three or four ways. Wear long, loose clothing, again, to protect yourself. Watch the morning and around dusk hours, that's when mosquitoes are most active. Wearing um, bug spray at that time, or there's many local varieties, Odomus, uh, different kind of sprays, oils you can use. And then the big one is using what we call a machardani or a mosquito net at night. Very, very important. And making sure you have your host show you how to tuck it in around your bed. You don't just kind of lay with it on, 
uh, kind of draping down. You have to tuck it around uh, on all four sides so the mosquitoes don't get in. And once you get into the net, make sure that there's none flying inside of the net already. This is gonna protect you the most because mosquitoes are most active at night. Number six, back to the money thing. Uh, it's really important that you ch hoard change. <laughs> a lot of people do not give change in India. If you're um, you know, paying for something with a 500 rupee, this is what you get out of the ATMs most of the time. Most people don't have change. If you're like, oh, I'm buying a you know, 37 rupee item and you have a 500, no one is gonna give you change for that. Uh, you're either gonna have to use your UPI, which is the, the payment system with your phone, or you're going to have to have exact change. And this is going to be a huge pain. So either hoard change whenever you can get it. If you get 100 rupee, a 20 rupee, or this or that. Listen to the audio version for more how to do that. Number seven, adjust your hygiene routine. For me, this was something that I didn't really realize. Like, I, didn't, I don't wash my hair. Uh, growing up, I did not wash my hair every day. I did not even... I don't have very oily hair or skin, so I really hardly washed my hair that much because it didn't get that dirty. In India, if you're living in a city or if you're living anywhere where there's a lot of dust, you have to wash your hair more frequently and you really have to bathe every day. For Indians, this is a huge deal. Indians bathe every day without fail. It's not a negotiable thing. So just keep that in mind. Preferably in the morning, a lot of people, it's like a ritualistic thing. Um, it's part of your like daily process is taking a bath, getting clean. Number eight. This is a very controversial topic, which you can hear more about in the full audio version of this. Being mindful of pests and other dangers. People think, oh, uh, snakes, scorpions, spiders. Uh, yes, those are all there, especially in certain regions of India. But actually, um, one of the most dangerous things is mosquito, which we already talked about, and stray dogs. Stray dogs can also be very, very dangerous in India. Many of them have rabies. Um, it's very controversial because a lot of people um, believe that stray dogs should have rights uh, to not be removed and they should have rights to roam in certain neighborhoods, even if they've been violent or attacked before. Be mindful of this. Um, you know, if you want to pet a street dog, that's fine. Um, that's up to you. That's your own choice. But a lot of locals don't. And um, many of them do have diseases and various other things. So it's really important to be mindful. And if you see a pack of dogs, try to kind of stay away from them. Um, that can be really dangerous. Another tricky thing are monkeys. They look so cute, they look so adorable, uh, but they will steal your stuff. <laughs> I've had friends um, where they've had their glasses stolen, their cameras stolen. Uh, and in a hundred percent, every single time, if you have food, if you have a bag of chips, or if you have something that looks like food, monkeys hundred percent will attack you and try to get your food. So watch, watch your kids. If you have uh, snacks or things like that, you have to watch for monkeys. And not every city or in town has monkey um, problems, but you, the places that do, you got to keep your food hidden. You got to keep your water bottles, your juice, your milk, everything hidden away because the monkeys will get you. Number nine, yes is no and no is yes. Understanding the subtle differences between when someone says, oh yes, we'll do it tomorrow or oh yes, we'll do, uh, we'll meet in one hour. Um, that doesn't always mean the exact precise thing that they they said. In our mind, things in the in the West, particularly, things are very black and white. You're like, yeah, we'll do it tomorrow. It means it'll be done tomorrow. It doesn't mean like in a week or 10 days. But in India, things are more flexible. Things are more um, indirect as well. So you just have to be careful that you're not, when, you, when someone says, oh, we'll do it tomorrow, 
or I'll come tomorrow. You have to really clarify with them what time, what this, what that, if you really mean tomorrow um, or if they mean something else, you have to kind of ask follow-up questions and that's really important of indirect communication. More of it in the download. Number 10, the last one. This is the one that people often ask the most is, is India safe for women? I also have another episode entirely on this, number 15. You can check that out, uh, link, I've given the link here. Overall, I would say yes it is and also it's not. Actually, not nowhere is really that safe in the world for women. Even um, in my own country, in the United States, there are a lot of issues all the time. However, in India, there are definitely more subtle, um, kind of like patriarchal cues. So you have to be aware that like you might not be listened to or you might not be taken seriously as a woman, even if though you're more knowledgeable and more educated than the person next to you. Um, and you have to be really mindful of that. So if you're in, if you're in a scenario, you have to think about actually, I might not have as much power or influence as a man in this scenario. And I wish it wasn't that way, but this is just how it is. And so I'm just sharing my observations. I would advise against a couple things. Um, riding an overnight train, walking alone at night, or trekking or hiking alone in remote areas. Um, like anything in India, being in a group is always best. You have safety in numbers. Of course, if you have men with you, that's always very helpful, like trusted men, then I would say things are safe. Of course, there are other things too you can do to be street smart, you know, keeping your bag close to you. I hate to say this because it sounds very misogynistic and I wish it wasn't this way, but I, I hate this, but I also um, have had to um, adopt this is wearing what local women wear. So I would love to wear, you know, a tank top and shorts and run around, but that's gonna draw attention to me. And unfortunately, uh, I'm, I'm comfortable in that, but unfortunately, uh, other people won't be comfortable looking at me wearing that and it might draw unnecessary attention and give a signal to someone that, you know, I'm interested in things that I'm not interested in. So wearing what other women and um, are wearing around you will really help ward off a lot of the issues. Um, I wish it wasn't that way, but this is where we're at in the culture. And as a foreigner, I, I personally feel like it's not necessarily my battle to fight, to say, well, we should all be able to wear shorts and t-shirt every day in any circumstance, wherever we are. It's not my job to change Indian culture. It's, it's my job to be a respectful guest, do what local people do as much as I can and adapt and respect those around me. So I would say that is the last one. So overall, I would say, yes, India is safe. And I'm, I'm not only my personal experiences, I have had issues happen. Um, and I've heard many other women who've had issues and um, bad things happen. Um, but there are ways you can be safe and there are ways you can be mindful and there are ways that you can have an amazing experience in India. And I highly recommend visiting India. It's, I personally find this to be the most fascinating place on earth. So much diversity, so many different cultures. Download this download. This is where all this information is from. It's 30 plus pages of packed information. You can download it again on my website, learnhindianywhere.com, the traveler's guide. I have many free downloads also on my site and Hindi courses that you can sign up for. If you're interested in learning Hindi, check out my courses, learnhindianywhere.com. Of course, my Instagram and my YouTube, India with Jessica. I have lots more information there. Chaliye, India ghoomne aaye, achha lagega.
Thanks again, everyone, for listening. Again, check out the YouTube version. It's on my YouTube channel, India with Jessica. Download the thing, the, the PDF, learnhindianywhere.com under my downloads. And make sure to share this with your friends. Anyone that's coming to India, share this along to them so that they can also learn and be prepared to come to what I think is the most incredible place on earth. Thank you.